every day when I learn something in real estate or in business and I'm able to grow as a person, it's like a dump of adrenaline every single day. Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders, a show where we interview people committed to making their next million through passive income using real estate, brokering, e-commerce, and beyond. If you're a passionate business builder yourself, visit VoltageB2B.com to get in touch now. All right, so it's my brother from another mother, as we were joking about a minute ago, the Neil and Neela show, as he likes to say. Welcome <laughs> to the call, my friend. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on, Neil. Neil, it's nice to see you. Yeah, I feel like we're in the echo chamber. <laughs> I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. What's going on? Yeah, it's a good looking guy over there. Uh, so, <laughs> so we are talking about you today, your brand and your business. And for those uh, folks who don't know, I don't always like, you know, everybody has a bio and this kind of stuff. And it's great to read the bullet points, but it's better to hear it from you uh, about who you are and what is really important for, for you to talk. So I'm going to shut up for just a second and let everybody hear a little bit about who you are. Ooh, uh, who am I? Uh, I'm a kid that uh, grew up in in a hood in in Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. Didn't have a a lot in the way of mentorship in that, and um, have really grown. Now, hold into... on, the hood in Toronto that's like the that's like the Silicon Valley of like what what's the hood in in Toronto look like? <laughs> uh, well, you know, believe it or not, uh, the hood in Toronto has got knives and guns, and oh, okay, um, okay, yeah, it, it is on that knives level. and guns in Canada. Yeah. yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, um, and then you guys had to go start trying to ban guns and different <laughs> types, and you know, and then they started it up here. But no, I'm I'm kidding. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, it was we, we had a you know a hood in we have different areas that are rough parts of Toronto. I mean, it is a, a city Absolutely. of uh, seven plus million people, right? And yeah. um, and so we have our rougher areas and I happen to grow up uh, in one. Um, my father's an alcoholic. We came here uh, at a time when, quite frankly, it wasn't okay to be uh, my color skin. And, um, mm. you know, so there was a lot of different things growing up yeah. in that, uh, area like that. And, um, and I share that because it's also something that really motivates me in now and has for years in that, uh, yeah. valuing mentorship, valuing other people's input, being able to, to have that because at that time, my best mentors were drug dealers. And, uh, and so I, I share openly with people that the things that made sense at that time were yeah. based on my mentors. And if you're trying to do certain things and you're trying to uh, be in this life, you need to have powerful mentors. And so, uh, you know, since then, I've gotten into real estate, real estate investing, uh, as as you Americans like to call it, uh, hard money lending. Um <laughs> <laughs> is that your best american accent that's that's my that wasn't bad that was actually really good <laughs> in, in in america in america in america, in, yeah. In america. yeah there you america. go uh, <laughs> you know i know you guys like to call it hard money lending um yep and uh we we call it private mortgages here um yeah and we do call it hard money lending as well so i i'm into that as well and uh, and just regular home financing but uh, we also do real estate acquisitions and and uh, I've just, uh, you know, as I've grown in life, wife, four kids, you just realize that there is so much more that uh, you can actually do. And that's and that's my shtick these days. 
Well, let's unpack that a little bit more because there's a okay. lot to what you just said. And you have yeah. learned a lot, as I know, I've come to get to, to know you better. And obviously going from someone who was mentored by drug dealers to the man you are today is a big stretch. Um, mm-hmm. Give us some more insights into how you got out of that uh, and how, <laughs> you know, how you broke out of that lifestyle. Yeah. First of all, growing up from an, in an alcoholic family, there's you deal with a lot of denial and you're trying to figure out your own self-worth, quite frankly. And so you're looking for where you fit in. And um, and on the street, I just had to be crazy because the craziest dudes tend to run things. And uh, mm. I knew what crazy looked like. I lived it every day. And um, and so I fit in quite well on the street. but. Yet there was another side of me that that said, I want respect, not fear. And so I was there was always a, a challenge uh, yeah. while I was living that life, even as I was causing trouble. And luckily, I, I never got in trouble with the law. I, I never got caught is really what I should say. And, you know, we used to be in gang fights and stuff like that. And it came down to one time I almost died in a knife fight and um, and almost bled to death. And that was a pretty big uh you know, I, I say that with a bit of a smile, but it was mm. a pretty big motivator to yeah, that's uh, a pretty big motivator. Yeah. You know, and um, and there's lots of little pieces in there where, uh, you know, if we get into things of faith, I, I definitely talk about that uh, yes. because there were just so many coincidences that mm. you have to look at it and go, you know what, the probabilities of all of these things happening. Too many coincidences. Yeah, to be too many, too impossible. many. And uh, yeah. and so some point you just go, all right, someone's throwing me a lifeline. I'm getting mm-hmm. a second chance. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's try to do something. And quite frankly, it took me about, you know, 10 years to kind of even leave that lifestyle and change behaviors, learn to, uh, I moved to the East Coast of Canada. I got to just be a different human being. I, I was out of that situation. Had I stayed, you know, I probably would have got pulled back in, but I happened to move out to the East Coast and really over the next 10 years just started learning different things about about human interaction, you know, yeah. getting to yeah. uh, hang out with people, learning how people did things and uh, got a girlfriend, got married, had kids and just really moved my life in a in a completely different direction. Yeah. All right. From the streets to the sheets. So. You got obviously grown into that role through some hardships. And, and there are people yeah. maybe listening to this that will resonate with that story. And you mentioned faith, which you and I both know is a big component of our successes, as yeah. we've said to each other. Um, and unpack that a little bit more for me. Like, what what was that journey that led you to, you know, we'll get into the business more, but I want to make sure people understand um, the genuine side of you uh, as I've come to know you and what really turns, uh, you know, that momentum you've got and that faith that pushed you forward. Give us some more examples where you saw things that were just only not coincidences in, in how you reached the place that you're at now. Right. Uh, okay. Well, within that, I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I was trying to kind of pull out of that lifestyle. Um, mm. It wasn't authentic to me. It was, there was too much violence and I was, and I couldn't leave it behind. It's what I'd grown up with. And um, and then different things started happening. You know, a girlfriend broke up with me and I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I almost, someone, I was in a fight and someone else got hurt quite severely and something would happen. Like, 
I remember one one fight. It was just as simple as someone wanted a baseball bat, or I was like, "Hey, there's some wood over there." I I ran over to that, hopped the fence, grabbed this piece of wood, and went to hop the fence. And because you know, it, in the streets, you fight with whatever you've got, whatever and, you can get. And literally, I hopped over a fence to pick that up, and you know, out come these other guys and now they're fighting and I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm hopping back, running back over and people don't realize fights actually happen really quickly. It's not like this long drawn out thing. And so by the yeah. time I get back, friend, my friend has already been stabbed. You know, I've missed the fight. And there were, you know, times like this, people with um, shootings and things like that, just small minuscule things where in that moment I wasn't there. And yeah. I thought, how did you, you know you start counting all of those up and then when i i uh, did get into that knife fight there were so many things um including the fact that there was about 21 guys fighting two of us and then in bleeding out or i was bleeding didn't know i was bleeding because you're so much adrenaline going to the hospital and then get to the hospital and uh they they're like hey this guy's worse this guy's worse and so uh they put me into uh, into the ER, and then they immediately stop, and they throw a blanket over me, and because they've got three heart failures at oh, that wow. exact time that they've got to go run to, because wow. you know, and so they take off, and so I'm lying on a table, bleeding to death, and uh, I'm sitting there thinking, thinking, wow, I just fought 21 guys, and they couldn't put me in a grave. And uh, that's how how much bravado was there, right? That that's mm. I was like, King Kong's got nothing on me, right? Uh, <laughs> Not a little invincible, were you? Yeah, that's right. To to quote Denzel, yeah, um, right. <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah. but as I lay there bleeding, yeah, and um, you know, my life force literally seeping seeping down my sides, and mm. and then I started to go into shock. I started a cold sweat, all of these things. And I started going, oh, maybe I am going to die. And just as I was blacking out and passing out, you know, um, they were now working on me. They'd come back, not realizing that I'd been bleeding to death uh, on the table. Uh, they came back and then they started trying to wrap me up because they didn't even have time to stitch me up at this point. And just as they pulled the bandages, you know, I I came to again and yeah. I thought, and and just as I was blacking out, I was like, "Okay, God, I guess, I guess I am dying. I, I guess it's time. Here I come." And then in that moment, I could see again, and it was kind of like, "Okay, again, nothing in and of itself." But then, as you start looking at all the different pieces, I started realizing that I had to come right to the edge of realizing that I might actually die before. I could start coming back and looking at all these different pieces, including the fact that one of the slash wounds just barely, well, actually six of them just barely mm. missed my spine. Four of them just barely missed my kidneys so much so that the first doctor that came in said, I'm not touching them. Get another doctor. You know, you start adding these up and you go, okay, just barely missed my spine, just barely missed my kidneys. Just any one of these things would have. So close right would have finished it um yeah you know and so i lay all of those things on the table uh along with a whole list of others to go mm. there are just too many 
too many coincidences in all of that to uh oh and the hospital that i was in mm-hmm. within 20 minutes of me leaving got shut down for a uh, super virus a super bug and uh so much so i got home turned on the news and they said the hospital was wow. shut down and i was like what yeah too many coincidences <laughs> so there you go uh, that's, wow. that's that's still the short version believe it or not <laughs> that's awesome though but it gives us perspective on yeah. you thank you yeah. for sharing that and it yeah gives it just us made me more. realize i've got yeah. a second chance here yeah let's, take let's advantage consider it yeah i mean if obviously if that hadn't happened we wouldn't be here today uh yeah. interviewing you um yeah. and there's so many of those little decisions as i think back on my life too and the, and the things that were really struggles or things that almost killed me uh, as you've uh, very eloquently described to yourself here, were things I look back on now as all those minute decisions that led to where I'm at now. And I wouldn't actually, and maybe you wouldn't, uh, you'll have to tell us, change any of that as hard as it was for me because I want to be where I'm at now. Yeah. And I can say that sincerely. And I think you, you could say that too, can you? Yes. It's why I actually smile when I talk about these things because like I love sharing that I, at one point I thought killing a man was a legitimate thought in my mind. Actually, killing a bunch of men was a, yeah. yeah, Not that I wanted to kill anybody, but it just made sense for for where I was at that point in time. And uh, I smile because... I look at it and go, I'm not, I'm not that guy anymore. Right? Yeah. So that was truly your net worth is your network. <laughs> and you, you, who was your five favorite drug dealers that you like to put yourself in? Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All, all those guys that I was thinking of yeah. killing. So, right. you know, <laughs> so you obviously changed some things about who you were and yeah. it sounds like a faith was a part of that. What happened yes. in the next steps that um, kind of leads us to where we are today? Like what, obviously you, right. you found a, a life. Uh, you found a change. What yep. happened next? Yeah, so I actually started going out to church after that. It, there's a whole story there, but I started going out to church. They asked for volunteers. That's how I ended up going to the East Coast of Canada and volunteering with the church out there. And over the next number of years, sort of uh, learning to be a normal part of society. And when I got married and I started having kids, I started asking myself the question, what am I going to teach my kids? Because I remembered what it was like for me growing up, and I thought nothing was ever good enough. And so I thought, all right, I have to just teach these kids to be their best. And when I had that thought, and I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely what I need to teach them. And then the next question was, do mm. I give my best? Yeah. And all of a sudden, and I was working for the government at the time, and I realized that as amazing as government jobs are, they are not built to maximize your potential. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's just, in fact, I actually got in trouble with the with the union a couple of times um, because I would do too much. I would take on extra jobs here and there, and um, and they were like, "No, no, you can't do that. You're taking away a job from potentially someone else." So, in fact, you have to you have to step back from some of these things. And so, at that point in time, I just started realizing. I needed to maximize my potential outside of the workplace. And Mm -hmm. what I realized from growing up in the hood was Mm -hmm. that I loved real estate. And uh, because we didn't have any, I didn't have a patch of grass to mow or anything like that. (laughs) Who cared at that point, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it it just didn't even seem reasonable like that, that that was a possibility for me when I was growing up. But now all of a sudden I thought, 
this is, you know, we, we had bought a house at that point and I thought, yeah, I kind of like real estate. And I realized that there was some authenticity because I had grown up without any of those things. And so that's when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, uh, lo and behold, started me down a whole road of learning, looking for mentors and, and uh, getting into real estate. And, and here I am. The real estate component of it, obviously, um, it, for those who are listening, they know that my business is an e-com, but one of the things we're here to do is focus on all the different ways that you can, you know, deploy capital, as we'd like to say here in America, uh, or, you know, you got hard mode in Linden up yeah. there in Toronto. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that is obviously, yeah, <laughs> you're doing it better than I am. Uh, and I'm in the country. How does that work out? Is um, <laughs> to understand you know, the real estate game is where most millionaires are made. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in my history of doing e-com, I've been uh, honored and privileged to see a lot of people move from situations, uh, not some instances, not too unlike yours, not as uh, obviously as unique as yours, but from challenged places to places of opportunity and abundance. And, mm-hmm. you know, in your story, there's a lot of scarcity uh, to your life and to the things you were doing. And the man I see in front of me is a man of abundance. Um, where did that shift beyond the book as you got maybe into your first business deals or your first things, where did that clear, obvious scarcity you had in your life, not just from assets, but things or the way you thought about life change into abundance? Like, where did that shift? It's mm. great, great question. I'm for starters, uh, making a shift into my faith. That was huge. Just to realize, first of all, I've, I've, uh, got a God of, abundance. And then you, there's been a lot where people have really talked as you get into business and the more further you go down that road, the more you realize that it's really all about your mindset. Everything is already out there. You know, even in the Bible, it literally God talks about, you know, here, here's the land. I, I, I've already given it to you. You just have to go take it. And so what I've learned is that it's really whatever you want to do is there for you to put your hands to. And you're able to go find that satisfaction. It doesn't give you any value. None of these things that we acquire, the properties, the businesses, none of these things really give us any value. You make money, but they don't give us value. But in your being, and this is something I actually talk about a lot. It's about who you're being. We're, we're literally called human beings, but uh, who are you being? And oftentimes we worry more about what do I have to do uh, rather than who am I being and letting who you're being dictate what gets done. And for instance, I, I love to share that I'm a juggernaut and a juggernaut is something that can't be stopped. And mm-hmm. so in being a juggernaut, when things come up, what is there for me to do? Go through it. It's not going to stop me. Um, and, um, barriers. Yeah. Breaking down barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually more sexy than mine. See, I'm a hedgehog. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, I'm a small rodent and you're a giant juggernaut. So yeah, (laughs) don't run over me, would you? (laughs) Well, well, you know what I've realized, and this is, this is something, if I can speak to the entrepreneurs here is that no one likes to look at their, their negative traits, right? They're the, the bad side of them. And, um, that's something that I, looked at because I've realized that that is where my superpowers come from. My three greatest negative traits are I'm lazy, I'm stubborn, 
and I'm egotistical. And the beauty of that is that because I'm lazy, I love building teams. I love building a team of experts, people who know what they're doing in their fields and learning to trust them. So I build a team as a result, as a counter to being lazy. I hate doing work twice. So efficiency is important to me. Stubborn, because I'm stubborn, the other side, I'm a juggernaut. Uh, I I turn that into, I'm going to keep going. And the things that oftentimes people are like, oh, that's too hard. And uh, that's that's par for the course. Let's go. Let's find something else to pop out a little. Yeah. Yeah. Push. And, and yeah. besides, I came from the hood. A lot of these things aren't equivalent. They're, they're not as hard. I've almost died in a knife fight. You know, there's few things that are going to be as difficult. And then thirdly, um, I refer to it as being prideful or egotistical. And yeah. uh, I hate being wrong. I hate uh, mm. I hate making mistakes. I hate all of that mm. stuff. You know, there's a bit of that uh, not good enough complex in there. And yeah. the lies. What the, yeah, absolutely. And what that does is it drives me to learn and grow. And grow. And yeah. so every day when I learn something in the, in real estate or in business and I'm able to grow as a person, it's a, like a dump of adrenaline every single day. Oh, man, I learned something new. Let's go. And, yeah, those uh, are amazing traits. Right. I mean, and I hope people are really resonating with that because I think, you know, the thing we try to break down, I know that you do and I do as well, is try to get people not to just see, again, as you said, all the really nice things and try to be transparent and say, remember to, you know, as Jim Collins said, pick up the rock and look at the ugly things underneath it. And one of the things we all have to, I think at times, um, be okay with and and forgive ourselves is that, uh, as Jordan Peterson has said, there's a monster inside of all of us. And the trick is to keep him at bay and hope that he never comes out again. Um, Mm -hmm. because we are all capable of things, you know, uh, we're all capable of doing things we don't want to be capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the the choices we make and the, and the perseverances and the overcoming that and, and remembering to stay in that mindset of abundance is a difficult thing. Um, while I was ever in a knife fight, I was in a bar fight in Trinidad at 3 a.m. in the morning and oh, outran yeah. the police into the city on foot. Um, so there's that. Whereabouts uh, in Trinidad? It, yeah, Tobago and Trinidad. Uh, oh, it was nice. a little bar downtown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fun times. Uh, <laughs> there was no knives involved. At least I, there, I didn't right. have a knife. Yeah, you were um, running too fast for them to catch well, you. I was, so. I was moving out. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sticking around to find out. <laughs> Um, but that was an interesting experience uh, for another story. But, you know, I understand that perseverance. I understand those traits. I have them myself. Yeah. And I think yeah. that you have had the capability and, and blessing to overcome that and to see that and, and keep that monster inside of you. But then refocus it into those areas where and I'm not mm-hmm. saying you're a monster. Please don't take it that way. I, I, no, I no, no. Way. I actually if I could just say this, I actually acknowledge the monster and I don't try to keep it inside. I, I love yeah. what you just said about refocusing. I actually want those monsters to come out and play, but I give them instructions. Yeah, that's right. that, control. That's, yeah. that's how I try to look at it is, okay, yeah. this monster is there. I can either try to stuff it in or I can let it come out and go, okay, here's where I want you to go. Yes. The laziness, team mm-hmm. build, right? The yeah. uh, stubbornness, break through walls and uh, the egotistical, go learn something. Right. For me, it's arrogance and pride. I have to be careful with arrogance and pride. Yeah. Um, those are dangerous traits. And I try to refocus those, as you've just said, uh, yeah. into usable things and as much as possible, try to hold yeah. them back. Now, they all have a place in some way. And I typically am the kind of guy that likes to joke it off um, so that I can refocus and, and push mm. it backwards. But 
I think we all understand why we do those things at times. And, yeah. and mainly it's to make other people feel comfortable. But it's one thing that uh, I know as an entrepreneur, and as you've just explained very well in your story, um, comfort is not part of the game. Uh, comfort can come at times, but it is not a goal or a destination you achieve and then you unlock it and it stays there. It is something that, as you have just said, is an everyday experience. It is something every day we get up and work to achieve. Uh, the comfort we have for ourselves, the things we don't want anymore, the stuff we want for our children, the stuff we don't want to go back to, the stuff we don't want them to be involved in from our own past and lives. And I think you're doing a you know bang up job uh, now yeah. with the way you were doing things, as I understand it. And explain to the people now a little bit where the entrepreneur component kind of came out for you and what mm -hmm. you're doing today and maybe what you're going to be doing in, you know, yes. next year um, to really continue to expand and, and continue to level up your business. Oh, I'd, I'd love to touch on this. And what I'd love to say about, and literally segueing right off of what you were saying there, is that we are built. You don't have to have any faith base to look at us as an organism and realize that we are built to do hard things. Everything bad comes when we do nothing. Everything bad, your muscles atrophy, your body starts to fall apart, all, all of these things happen when we do nothing. We are literally built to handle hard things. And as entrepreneurs, when we realize that, and you take that on as something in your life to do, to take on the hard things, the things that occur as, as hard and difficult, all of a sudden, it becomes more enjoyable. And um, the one thing that I did to battle my pride and arrogance and <laughs> egotistical nature is I really took on a heart of uh, serving others. I think uh, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins talks about this, where he said, the more people that you serve, the more that you will make. And I started taking my eyes off of what do I want? How much am I trying to make all of these things and started thinking, who can I make money for? Who can I help to do that? How many people can I do that with? And realizing the more people that I make rich, the richer I get, or the, the more right. people I help out. You know, when it comes to real estate, if you buy a multifamily property and you've got 20 people living there, if you're going to serve them, you're going to make sure that they have a good living place, heated, electricity, all of these. It's safe. It's all of these things. They're able to build their life. You're literally taking care of them. And in exchange, they pay you. It's craziest thing out there. They're going to pay you and they're going to pay you more. And, yes. uh, and so you take care of them. And uh, if you build that relationship, right, mm -hmm. in private lending. I am always looking for the relationships that care about building, that care about building people up. And so as a team, we're always working together to make sure that every time we lend money, it's going to be a benefit for both sides of the equation. For us, we're going to make some money, but for the person that's borrowing the money, it's beneficial for them. And maybe there's little pieces that we can help them in what they're trying to do as well. Yeah. And for me, it's huge to be, to really look at the side of service to others. And so for the new year, you asked that question about the new year, what's the plans for the new year? And a lot of it is, who can I serve more? And I think one of the big things that I've seen is there are a lot of amazing professionals that I know that 
do not get as much admiration or as much airtime as they should. And so one of the mm -hmm. things I've really taken on is how do I get uh, amazing individuals like yourself more airtime so that more people can see high level professionals that are able to really help them build. I mean, you help people in creating online businesses, which quite frankly, you can make so much more in an online business than you can in real estate. It's not even funny, but, um, you know, and, and you literally are going to teach people how to, uh, how to do that. And so those are, you need to respect from, from my standpoint, you have to respect and you have to honor a person like that, that really cares to serve other people. Servant leadership is a huge component of uh, leveling up in my mind. And I'm glad that you said that because I know you're one of those guys. And hopefully for the people that are listening, they understand that about your story today from literally uh, the situation you came from in life to where you are now and to the things you're doing that are so wonderful and so powerful. And I am honored that you came on the show today. Any final words um, you might have for the audience that's listening out today? It's really why I called my podcast the Leadership to Wealth podcast because it's not about the money. It's about the leadership. It's about who you become and uh, who you are in this world. And so for all the entrepreneurs out there that are building their dreams, that are creating a life for them and their family, keep at it, continue to uh, level up. And the best advice that I can give you is surrounding yourself with uh, you know, they say you are the sum of the top five people in your life. So, uh, so really raise that, that level and, and you'll continue to grow. Well, that's amazing. Thank you for saying that. And how could the good people here get a hold of you if they want to talk about hard money lending or <laughs> private lending? <laughs> yeah. If yeah. you want to talk about any of those things, um, well, you can find me, uh, leadership to wealth.com or you can find me on social media, Neil, uh, underscore D'Souza. I'm all over the place, so uh, just type in uh, Neil uh, D'Souza and look for me or Neil Mortgages, and you can Absolutely. find me. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Again, it's been an honor and a pleasure, thanks. Thanks, and bro. I thank you for coming on the show. All right. Thanks a lot. If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders. 